not a journalist, is an absolute idiot. But that's okay. I'm not a dime back. I'd like to be able to tie some day. We'll get tied. Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of the Six Overtimes podcast. I am your host, Chaz Wagner. Joining us in Doylestown, PA, small town America, or is it suburban America, Scott Wildermuth. Hey, Chaz. Uh, yeah, I think it's suburban America, not not too much small town. Suburbia? Yeah, definitely suburbia. So what's going on this uh, three days before Turkey Day, my man? Well, I think I'm gearing up for a little uh, little heavy eating. I have a competition with my brother every year to see who eats the most. Um, mm. I'm going to lose handily this year. Now, we all know turkey, but what is your side? Um, what's your ancillary uh, food that you you like to consume on Thanksgiving? It's got to be the sweet potatoes with the marshmallow uh, glaze type thing. What about you? The marshmallow glaze. Yeah. Oh yeah. I like the corn souffle that my aunt G always always cooks up. I just down that stuff. Sounds t- delicious. I, I chow into that before the turkey actually. <laughs> I don't blame you. You know what else was a, a heavy dose of was Big East Hoops this past weekend, Scott. Yeah, you know what? It it was a lot of games and I think we found out a couple of things about the premier teams in the league, uh most notably Cincinnati and Marquette. Um it was it was a great weekend for this league. Uh, a couple of losses that were surprising, but I think all in all, yeah. it was a very good uh, showing by uh, most of these teams. Yeah, there was a blemish by Cincinnati, but some of these teams that we first want to talk about, most of these guys were playing in holiday tournaments. No, I wouldn't say holiday tournaments, just these preseason tournaments. And number one that we want to focus on is Marquette. Now, they were playing in the Paradise Jam. That just sounds like fun. In the U.S. Virgin Islands, and they were playing on the island of St. Thomas, which I have actually been to on a cruise before we stopped stopped there. And this weekend, uh, Friday night, the Golden Eagles beat Winthrop 95-73. to uh, Another one of just a balanced scoring effort. Everyone played well. Vanderblue scored a career high. Um, 26 points. Yeah. 26 points. These guys are getting the line, drawing contact like you wouldn't believe, Scott. Yeah, and good for me. This is the this is one of the games that I lost this weekend, taking Winthrop with 18 points. Um, silly for me to bet against Marquette ever because they just look fast, they look explosive, and they're shooting the ball extremely well. Um, DJO and Vanderblue got to the line 25 times combined. You got to like seeing that. Ridiculous. And watching this Paradise Jam, so Marquette won on Friday night, and then Sunday night was when they played the championship of this against Old Old Miss. And Scott, unfortunately, you weren't able to, to watch it. It was on MSG, um, yeah. MSG up up here in the New York metro area. And we Six Overtimes has one of its first crushes of the year, and Laura Mc, <laughs> Laura McKeeman was the sideline reporter. For for I think Fox College Sports was the the network that was 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 doing the game, and she is Miss Saint Petersburg 2011. She looks like it too. 
I mean, Miss Florida. I, let's go. Let's branch out of just a, a regional area of, of Florida and say she can represent the whole state in my mind. Yeah, she is really pretty. And and the other thing, it's it's easy to look pretty when you're reporting on Big East hoops, you know. Especially Marquette. There, I mean, they they look damn good. Yeah, and it was the same story in this game. They they beat Ole Miss ninety six to sixty six to take the championship belt. Um, you know, it was 19 to 10 with 12 minutes left, and that was the last time that the game was within single digits. Marquette just ran away with the game, and uh, that's pretty much all that we got to really talk about here. And they they pushed the ball so hard. Junior Cadugan and Vanderblue, those guys get it up the court like you wouldn't believe. Like uh, those guys are almost like I mean, they're strong, they're explosive. It's almost like a running, uh, like an NFL running back hitting the hole. These guys have that much determination and uh, gusto. Gusto, just plowing right ahead. Yeah, and you know it leads to uh, a couple of things that really le- helps them score a bunch of points. It gets them to the bucket, so they have high percentage shots uh, often, and then it also gets them to the free throw line a ton. They went to the line forty three times again against Ole Miss, and it just continues to be a theme. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Forty three times. It's a lot of. Line? It's a way to get a lot of easy points. Yeah, against an SC. They're still an SEC ball club. Yeah, and. Lo- Let's not skirt on their defense either. They held their two uh, Ole Miss's two best scorers to, uh, I think, what twenty five points on twenty six shots, and they were one of eleven from three point line. Yeah, and um, Buzz had a nice look going uh, in this in this Paradise tournament. He had a one of those nice tropical Caribbean uh, shirts, and he he was just having having a good old time, and, and it helps when your team puts up uh, nine, you know, it scores in the mid nineties every game. That you know that'll that'll relax a coach pretty pretty good. Yeah, he's a festive one. He is a festive one. Now moving on, Scott. Another team that we were pretty impressed with was the Seton Hall Pirates from the weekend. They were playing in another tournament. The Charleston uh, Classic. The Charleston Classic. And while they weren't the champions, they had a nice showing. Real uh, nice showing. Was it Thursday night or Wednesday night? We talked the, last week when they beat uh, VCU. And then Friday night, they beat St. Joseph's, Joseph's 78-70. to And in that game, they were down big. I, I believe they were down... Nine or ten. Uh, I, w- I want to say they were down nine in the first half, but they came back, had a sh- really strong second half, and you know our boys uh, Herb Pope and Jordan Theodore led that, and they were able to. Um, even though they won, this Carl Jones, who's very similar to Jordan Theodore, really explosive guard, scored a total of thirty-eight points in this game. Yeah, Carl Jones had a big game, um, but I think. The main takeaway for me from this game was we found out the formula that's going to help Seton Hall win all year. It's They're going to have a three-headed monster between Pope, Fuquan Edwin, and yeah. Jordan Theodore, and they need one other person to step up from game to game, whether that's Uda or Aaron Cosby or, you know, uh, Carlos. I know he's not much of a scorer, but... 
they just need one of those three or four other guys to contribute something, uh, get in the bu- a basket in the in the oh, wow, get the ball in the basket, and they'll win a lot of games. Yeah, and and you spoke of finding someone outside of that trio was Aaron Cosby on Friday night. He had his coming out party as a freshman. He scored 13 points. He knocked down three trays, and he played 38 minutes. So Kevin Willard, he sees something and he has confidence, and he, he's he's okay putting this putting this young guy on the court. Um, you know, especially late in the game, rather than rather than they they have a thin bench, so he doesn't. Um, he doesn't have much to turn to. So, what 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 did you take from the game against Northwestern last night, where they lost? Uh, Northwestern beat them eighty to seventy three, but it was a it was a hard fought game all throughout. Yeah, I think it comes down to the fact that they only had Pope, Edwin, and Theodore scoring double figures, and they didn't have that fourth guy step up. Cosby had nine points, and that's nice, but. At the end of the day, I think they really need someone to be able to stretch the floor, and um, and hopefully Cosby's that guy. Theodore also was incredibly inefficient from the field, yeah. uh, shooting 18, 18 times for 16 points. Yeah, Patrick Ood is really struggling. He he played like like dog crap in this tournament. He didn't score didn't score a single point yesterday. We've seen him in a lot. He's gotten in foul trouble through that elbow. Yeah. So we're hope we're hoping that he can put this behind him, and I, he has a good he has a good skill set. Is you know he's a good body, he can bang down a good good body for the Big East to to um, you know to physically compete. We'll just see if he can execute and actually get it done on the court. Yeah, and there were a couple of things that we should touch on too. Herb Pope had thirty two points, and you know as much as as much as he's not the biggest darling on this podcast he's still producing and he's still doing really well hey hey we can uh, we can um we always give people a second chance or we're open to uh changing our minds here yeah and i think her pope's doing a good job at that he needs to stop shooting three so much but you know i think he's doing pretty good the main negative takeaway from this game i can't even believe i'm about to say this but say it say it Northwestern shot 21 for 29 from two points within the three-point arc. That's pretty darn efficient. That's insane. That's terrible defense from Seton Hall. They need to make sure that they protect the basket. And the fact that they only only lost by seven points is crazy to me. Yeah, that's the, you know, Northwestern, the smart kids are very efficient when they do shoot. They're going to be very efficient. Exactly. Exactly. And I know why Seton Hall lost, actually. Why? Herb Pope was one rebound short of a double-double. This team's not going to win. I don't care how many points he scores. I mean, he he hit two three-pointers. He was 2-2 two two from, from, from behind the arc. He only had nine rebounds. If he if he gets that double-double, it's a W for the Pirates. That's he gets what, a that's 10. What I, that's what I think. Yeah, it's I a mean, magic he was, number. He was slacking on the glass. <laughs> and, and, and we saw that in the in the score. So Scott, uh, enough about the Pirates. We'll have plenty to talk about them for the year. Uh, another team that I was super impressed with this weekend—not a holiday tournament, just a regular schedule game. The Louisville Cardinal went into Hinkle Fieldhouse to play the Butler Bulldogs and came out with a gritty, 
tough fought victory with um they were they had a short um short roster with Siva out and some of the other guys still injured and they won sixty nine to fifty three after a very hard fought battle in the first half. I think they went up by one with a late bucket to to be up by one to start the second half. But the second half, these guys just played so good. Yeah, and I was tracking it as much as I could as I was traveling on Saturday afternoon. But it, it seemed that they just really ran away with it in the second half. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's something that you like to see against a Butler team that's very poised and very polished. And, you know, Brad Stevens is one of the best coaches in America. He doesn't just let those things happen. So I think that's a very impressive uh, takeaway from this game. And mm-hmm. the other thing is Kyle Kirk showed up. He had 17 points on 7-11. So I think he was uh, one of the one of the keys to victory for the Cardinals. He was the key, and I, I – Definitely a key to the victory was they held Andrew Smith in check, who we talked about on Friday, who, who has who has played very well this year, and he only had Andrew Smith. Let's see what he they held him in check. Um, I want to say he only had four or five points, and I think those points were late in the game. So great job by Dang and Chain Be- uh, Behinen. I'm botching that name every time I say it. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it seven different times this year and none of them are going to be correct but those guys did a great job defensively on Andrew Smith in this game um, I think I think that's going to be something that's uh that Louisville is going to be able to do all year long when mm-hmm. Andrew Smith isn't the most athletic big but he's 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 got some moves on the on the um on the in the in the pain he can score, but it's more of like he knows how to get there. He's got some old man moves. Not he's not superior athletic uh, player, and I think Louisville's going to be able to take advantage of those matchups. Yeah, it was like Matt Howard last year. He wasn't the most athletic, but he's shifty. He knows the right spots. He knows where the ball's coming off. You know, a missed shot where it's where it's going to fall, and they they just, um, yeah. So, other pauses we took from this game, Scott. Just a great second half. They were ten to ten from the line in the second half to close them out. Great road win. I think it speaks volumes to winning without Siva showing that uh, that they can do it with a um, a short bench. And, and Mara they, out too. And Mara's out for the year. They held Butler to under forty percent shooting. So you were seeing that Louisville D, and they were also. Louisville was efficient from the field. I, I want to say they shot around 50% from, from two-point range. Yeah, it was, it was a good win for those guys. And, you know, transitioning off of Louisville, who had a nice showing, South Florida really disappointed this weekend because they could have pulled out a nice win against Old Dominion uh, and really had a chance to, but they lost in overtime uh, to the Monarchs 68-66. to It's... Really difficult. It's it's a heart wrenching loss for uh, the South Florida fans. It was a game that they should have won and could have won easily, and it was heartbreaking for me because I also bet on these guys. Ever bet on the Bulls? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you can, <laughs> but you did. Oh, South Florida. They th- th- this weekend was a disaster in terms of handling the ball and. What's you know it's it's correlated and it's related is distributing the ball. They only had 
Shoot, they only had five assists in the Old Dominion game, and that game was in overtime. They only had five assists total. In the Penn State game, they only had four assists, and they had over 20 turnovers in both games. I mean, or I'm sorry, they had 19 turnovers. They didn't get to the 20 mark. They had 19 turnovers in the Penn State game. But a really ugly, sloppy way to play, and once you get into Big East play and you're seeing... You're going up against the the Yukons and the Pitts and the Marquettes, even more athletic teams. Who knows what's going to happen with with the handling of the ball? And yeah, I mean Penn Penn State's a sad basketball program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean it's a sad athletic program right now. But losing to them fifty three forty nine after you have a heartbreaking loss to Old Dominion speaks to me that they just sort of gave up and yeah. To be honest, like if you just look at Victor Rudd's numbers, like he goes two of ten from the field in that second game. Gross. Gilcrest goes zero for four, and he leaves with a shoulder injury that we don't know much more about. And hopefully, yep. he can get back on the court as soon as possible because without him, it's it's going to get uglier. Yeah, why? I, well, I have a question, Scott. Why is Ron Anderson not shooting from the field? He he, I I believe he took one. Shot from the field in both games. This guy, this guy is an upperclassman. He's been around the block, especially in the second game when Gilchrist goes down and only plays 13 minutes. The rest of that time, what the heck is Ron Anderson not doing, trying to uh, take the ball to the bucket in in the interior? He's just chilling, man. It's, He's just chilling. It's unacceptable. <laughs> I think you're right, and the scoring's going to have to come from somewhere, yeah. and I mean, it looks Vic, like it might be Blake Nash. He, I, I like him. I, I mean, I don't know why he's not starting over over Doherty, but he's he's getting the minutes, so he's 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 emerging as as basically the de facto point guard, especially late in the game. Um, turnovers, not distributing the ball. They're making uh, tons of fouls too. Um, there are some of their key players disappearing. A lot, uh, a lot going wrong in in uh, in South Florida. Yeah, like I said, it was it was a disappointing weekend for those guys because they had two very winnable games uh, that could have really helped them and could have went a long way um, in gaining confidence for the rest of their season and especially the Old Dominion game that it seems like it was pretty backbreaking for that squad. Yeah, and you know what was backbreaking, Scott. I know where you're going here. Since he's collapse to the blue hose. Yeah. Presbyterian College out of North Carolina um, beat Cincinnati 56-54. to 54. Um, Yeah, these guys, these guys play Wake Forest every year, so I get to see them once in a while, and they're terrible. They're terrible. They're terrible. <laughs> If I you told you I did, I, I would I would be lying to you. It's the the guys that you see in Braveheart. It's the it's a fierce Scottish warrior, and when they it, especially with emphasis on the on the color blue, you know right? Oh, okay. You know right before battle when Mel Gibson's going when William Wallace is going nuts and they got all the blue paint, oh, blue yeah. paint all over them. That was uh, William Wallace was actually competing on Saturday for for the Blue House. That's how they won. <laughs> I th- I didn't think that Mel had any game. 
I'm very surprised by Hey, this. his movie career, I mean, his, his movie career is, is down in the dumps. He, he's, I mean, he's a talented guy, so he figured he'd take up uh, college basketball. Working on his jumper. For sure. I like it. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was an ugly game from Cincinnati. I, I, I just don't even know what to say. I'm at a loss for words, which doesn't happen often, and uh, I don't know. What do you what do you guys say about this? A couple things I have to say. This team lost to Duke by 41 points last Saturday. I'm speaking of of Presbyterian here. Then middle of the week they lost to Western Carolina and I couldn't tell you a darn thing about Western Carolina's basketball team, which means they're very bad. So this team had no business going into Fifth Third Arena and beating the Bearcats. Cincinnati was up 47 to 32 at one point. Uh, doing the math, Presbyterian went on a 22-9 to nine. run to end the game. For Cincinnati to allow that to happen at home with Yancey Gates and Sean Kilpatrick and a, a, a veteran senior-laden ball club like this, it's totally unacceptable. And what it gets, ba- get, what it gets down to, Scott, is loss of focus and concentration with these good ball clubs as we spoke of with UConn they yeah. they don't they don't treat these these teams with much respect and they get up an early lead and they they let up and it came back to bite them in a big way on Saturday yeah this is just a despicable loss and i feel sick to my stomach that we've even talked about it for this long but you know what they bet uh, they didn't get any not a single player from the bench scored a point I don't even know if I was looking at this the stat line. I don't even know if they pulled a rebound or an assist or contributed anything. Do you think that's an aberration or do you see that as a trend going forward for well, the Bearcats? I, it's I don't think it's going to be that bad. It's it's an I want to say it's an outlier, but it could just be where Cincinnati has a really thin bench and teams like Syracuse and UConn that their eight, nine, and ten guys can play. Forget about it. Yeah, I I see this maybe as an outlier, but I think it's going to be a trend in the fact that they're not going to get much from the bench. And they need something because yep. there's clearly something wrong when you can only put up 56 points against Presbyterian. Or 54 points, I'm sorry, against yeah. Presbyterian. <laughs> so, yikes. They couldn't get um, Speaking of yikes... Holy God! How does <laughs> how does Nerdine Lindsay miss two free throws with a chance to tie or win the game at home with as time expires in regulation? The guy's an enigma. He he looks like the greatest player in the world, and he could be he could be jumping in the pros next year, and then in the same breath he he looks like he should be back in in junior college where he started out. That's you don't know what you're getting with this guy. You take the good with the bad. So uh, Texas A&M won 58-57, and the only way that they got consistent scoring all all game was through this guy, Turner, who was their uh, forward, who was actually a really skilled uh, big man who ran the court really well. And it was something that we touched on after the Arizona loss, which uh, Sean Miller pointed out, that that's what you need to beat St. John's. And... A&M had it. Yeah, and it um, it looked like Phil Green and Phil Green, the freshman, played well. Mo Harkless played well. So it's really good to see the freshman contributing contributing 
And Pointer played well, too. Yeah, like you keep talking, plays with a lot of energy, really a defensive uh, stalwart uh, down there. The negatives, like you said, the, f- the free throws, really, um, that was one of the reasons for the loss. Uh, they got out-rebounded. They, they, they're, they're still per- they can't hit a, th- a three-point bucket. Uh, that's that's gonna hurt them when, say, they do get down during Big East play and they need to get back into it. They're not gonna have uh, the three point ball to to lift them back. Yeah, and a couple of other things. Uh, Ochoa just wasn't there yeah. again, and yeah. that seems to be it. Seems to be a common thread between these games where there's bigger or more athletic guys than him. Um, so that's scary for St. John's. Another thing, A&M did not play that great. They shot 4 of 15 from behind the line, and they only took three free throws, but they still found a way to win. And I don't know what to say about that other than the Johnnies are going to be in a lot of these close games, and what makes you a good team is winning those close games and so far they haven't proved to be uh able to do that absolutely and it's funny with five minutes left in the arizona game it looked def it looked like a sure thing that st john's was moving on to play in the championship game against mississippi state and they give up that game and then they lose a tough one to texas a&m and now they're back on their heels and we're thinking what's wrong with st john's when if if they just would have closed them out we'd ever Everyone would be so excited. We'd be talking about them, and it's just funny how, you know, it uh, it changes that quickly. Yeah, it was it was a rough loss from those guys, um, but it was a rougher loss for Coppin State when they ran into the tidal wave that is University of Connecticut. Yeah, I remember Coppin State. I saw them in. At the old Civic Arena in Pittsburgh, when they beat, they were a 15 seed and they beat the South Carolina Gamecocks. If you remember that one from from way back, I'll, yeah, just, I'll always remember Coppin State for that. But there was no possible way that they were going to beat this this uh, stellar UConn ball club. Uh, it was nice to see Shabazz Napier come back after he took the second half of the main game off with with an injury. He actually had a triple-double, just a nasty game, 22 points, 13 assists, which was a career high, and 12 boards. Nice uh, nice game from Lamb with 25 points. Um, Tyler Olander, Scott, this guy just keeps, you know, keeps, on, keeps on trucking. Can't, can't slow yeah, this guy he, down. He keeps producing, and... You know, I I I keep thinking that it's Oriaki's going to be the odd man out when Drummond finally comes sure. and gets his feet under him. Um, the things that I, that was crazy to me was that they only had eight turnovers. Um, there was concern that Lamb wasn't going to come back after uh, he sprained his ankle, I believe, in the first half. But he came back to drop in twenty five, like you had said, and you know he had a nice game. Um, and then there was a quote from Napier, who he was interviewed after the game, and he said something like, Calhoun took me aside after Lamb went out and said, you have to be the man right now, you have to be the leader of this team, and you have to win this game for us. And Napier just went out and dropped a triple-double. And 
you know, you love seeing that. I, I think Napier's having an excellent season. He might be the MVP so far through the Big East. He might be the player of the year. He's he's played at a very, very high level this season. He heeded Calhoun's call. I think it was the – have you seen his rat tail? Have you, have you gotten a, a gander at that thing? <laughs> no, I oh, haven't. It's, it's um, disgusting. I don't know what it is. Or is it impressive? It's not. Imp- I you might think I don't. I don't know <laughs> your hairstyle or what what you you like and dislike. But for me, it's it's a no no. Well, see the rat tail. It just it it has such. You have to have such discipline because you just can't cut your hair for years. It's actually not a rat tail. It's it's like a little bud. It's it's not that thin. Oh, it's, it's, okay. It has like a little. There's some thickness to the rat tail, so I don't. It might not. It's a tail of some sort. It might not be a rat tail. It's more like a, like a larger animal's. Uh, you know their tail. All right, like a so, like a badger, like a honey badger. It, it's okay. It, it's a honey badger tail. That's what <laughs> that's what Shabazz has. <laughs> um, the Baz tail. Yeah, let's 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 move on. <laughs> so another team that. We're, you know, we have to talk about them, but there was no competition coming. Was two upstate New York teams collided on Saturday? Syracuse and the Colgate Red Raiders. Syracuse won this one, ninety-two to forty-seven, against a Patriot League foe. Uh, just one of the themes of this game, as it is with every game, the depth. And the bench production from Syracuse is unbelievable. Most notably, Sutherland, Sutherland, however you pronounce it, had 14. <laughs> Waiters had 16. C.J. Fair had 13. There wasn't much production from the starting five, but those bench guys really, really brought it against Colby. Yeah, and the reason why there wasn't much production from the starters was none of them played more than 20 minutes, and most wow. of them played less than 15 um, mm-hmm. They they played everyone on their roster. They played nineteen players against Colgate. No, yeah, nine. They don't have nine. They don't have nineteen players. Nineteen. I counted it. It was ridiculous. They break, they're bringing in the lacrosse team. <laughs> I guess so. Um, I don't, there's there's no way there's nineteen people on their bench. I'm, no, fourteen. Oh. I'm telling you, they 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 threw everyone out there and. Uh, that's why all the scoring and the production was so spread out. Joseph only had right. four points, and they still won by 45. I mean, it's a very impressive thing. They continue to get to the line. They they get at the basket. They had 30 free throws. They shot 50% from the field, and they stole 17 uh, balls from, from Colgate over the course of the game. I mean... Men versus, men versus boys. Very much so, and... Uh, my grandfather, who's an alumni of Colgate, it would take offense to that. But in this in this scenario, absolutely. I'm not talking academics here. We're talking <laughs> talking basketball. Talking another hoops. another blowout. Scott was Notre Dame Fighting Irish beats Delaware State, ninety three to sixty nine. Another blowout victory. Notre Dame has played no one yet the, the, until think, tonight. Until tonight, they play the Missouri Tigers and Timmy Abramitis will be coming back. That's what everyone's looking forward to. Uh, who, I don't think, uh, what, uh, Atkins did not play again, I believe. Got to get him healthy. I think they're resting him. 
All the starters logged uh, a ton of minutes. All of them played over 30 minutes, so not much bench play. Who played well? Looked like Scott Martin had a nice game with 23 points, uh, hit four trays. Uh, the, My man right. Jerry and Grant had 17 points. I love seeing that. Did. Jerry and Grant, he, he played a bunch in this. Uh, Dragasevich, the freshman, is is logging a ton of minutes. Got 38 minutes and, and put up 18 points. Yeah. And seven, and seven assists. It seems like they sort of viewed this as a scrimmage almost to prepare and to get all these five guys on the floor at the same time, uh, being Martin, Grant, Connaughton, Cooley, and Dragovich. Uh, to get them a little bit more comfortable with playing together and getting ready for the Missouri game because I think this is going to be a great litmus test for the Fighting Irish tonight. Yep, it's gonna, I'm, I'm psyched. It's going to be a good game tonight. Yep, and what wasn't a good game was Providence blowing out Florida A&M, 87-65. Um, real nice win for uh, the Friars just because... They did what they were supposed to do, and, and we look for that um, in these kinds of games. I mean, we've seen it with Cincinnati losing to Presbyterian. We saw it when Vanderbilt went down early in the year. you got to win these games, and Providence uh, really did the job. Yeah, they're doing that. And some takeaways from this, Providence is shooting this game. Exactly, they, they shot over 50% from the field. Over 40% from three, so very efficient shooting. Uh, Cooley's yep. having them take smart shots and wide, I don't know, not wide shots, but yeah. Um, they, uh, they're distributing the ball. They had, they had 20 assists, uh, like you're talking about, 26 on, on 26 made shots. Yeah, and they got to the free throw line a lot too, which I, I think. A ton. 46 free throws. Is that a, re- I mean, that's, that's close to being a record. It's a big number, and, Four one. guys had at least seven trips to the line, and six had at least five trips. So you like to see that a lot of people were being aggressive with the basketball, trying to get to the net and not just settling for uh, jump shots. And, mm-hmm. you know, they only went 29 to 46 from the line, but, you know, they're they're going to make more than that on average. And uh, the, other, the other takeaway is Bryce Cotton continues to be a man. He had 26 man. points. He's a man. He's a man. <laughs> um, All right, Mike, let's go on to the Mike Rice uh, team. Scarlet Knights, Rutgers won 66-52 to against Hampton. And what I take from this, Jerome Seegers is, is a nice spark plug off the bench, filling in for Miles Mack when he needs to. He, he scored in... Uh, in double figures with 10 points in, I don't think, that that many minutes. Gilvitas led this team. Gilvitas Baruta, one of our uh, yeah, one man. Of the real uh, favorites of the Six Overtimes podcast, had 17 and 12. Um, these guys... He's just an active player, and, you know, he just does the same thing every to every game, and he... Grabs the rebounds. He's a garbage man, and he makes open shots. The one thing, Gotta Scott, but does he make? Does he have six turnovers every game? He doesn't have six turnovers every game. It was, you don't want. You don't want to see that. Yeah, it was tough. It was tough. Is this an aberration or a, tra- or a trend? I mean, what are we looking at here? Well, I gotta say it's an aberration because he's my man. I love Gilvitas. Okay, but I, I do think that Gilvitaration. 
<laughs> I think he, he won't do that again. He was probably handling the ball too much. Um, but, you know, what Rutgers did, did do is they turned the ball over ten times in the first half, and I don't think that that's an aberration. Yep. Uh, like we've seen so far, all the freshmen uh, guards seem to have a hard time handling the ball, especially under full-court pressure. Um so we need to look to see as 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 a team it's going to be something that will be that will happen all year long but Gilvitas personally I don't I don't I don't see that happening. Yeah and I'm I am so down. I am selling. Uh, I'm I'm trying to short like an, a naked short on Dane Miller. 6 points, 2 assists. I was expecting big big things from this guy this year and nowhere to be found. And I hope he proves me wrong, but you know, a, a few uh, a few weeks into the end of the season, I'm shorting the Dane Miller stock. Yeah, I, I think that's just something that's across the board with the Rutgers team in general. They're just they've been shooting awful from the field. They shot again around thirty percent. They were three of sixteen from three point line. They it it just. They got to make up the points somehow, and they're not going to out athlete everyone like they did with Hampton in this particular game. Yeah, you love when when you're all about the out athleting. Oh, it's awesome! Yeah, I I only uh, touch on it because Wake Forest football constantly gets out athleted yeah. by every other team that they play. You know, I, you don't think they can out athlete Florida State or Miami? <laughs> not with the boosters <laughs> that those guys got. Evan Shapiro. Helps, yeah, man. helps with Nevins around. All right, so the last game of the weekend, Scott, was Villanova. Another loss for me. Yeah, you uh, you lost on this one because of Villanova only beat Delaware, the Blue Hens, seventy nine to sixty nine. Uh, they they controlled the game all throughout. They were up thirty eight twenty four at half. It got a little closer in the second half. But the the leaders for the Wildcats, Malik Waynes and Dom Cheek, uh, they 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 made some plays down the stretch to to pull this one away. But your boy uh, Yaru had a very dominant first half, Scott. Yeah, he keeps uh, he keeps crushing, and it's great to see it. I mean, we talk often about how it's necessary, not not just you you don't hope to have a great big man you need to have a good big man and Yaru's getting to that point and you love seeing him uh just taking control of the game like he did in the first half against the uh Delaware team yeah the one negative uh one of the concerns from this is the freshman the freshman we were originally very impressed with Marcus Kennedy and Javon Pinkston really Nothing. really struggled in this game Kennedy only played four minutes I don't know if he's in the doghouse with right, but he didn't he didn't see much time at all, and probably because Yaru is playing so well that he's he's not getting many minutes. Pinkston as well, oh six from the field, played half the game, uh, two turnovers, only two points, got them at the line. You'd like to see the freshman contrib- contribute and uh, help out Wayans and Cheek. Uh, when when they're not hitting their shot. Yeah, you know, they're very much like Seton Hall in the fact that they have a three-headed monster in Waynes, Cheek, and Yaru. And they need another player to step up to be able to win these games decidedly. 
I think the difference between Nova and Seen Hall is that Nova has a better chance of that happening between mm-hmm. Pinkston and Kennedy and uh even if James Bell or Hilliard steps up and starts dropping some points in. Yeah, it was nice to see you talk about James Bell. He had seven assists. He loves seeing that. So yeah, so the scoring production might not be there, but when he's dishing it out seven times, uh you know, I I think we'll all take that. Yeah, he's creating points. It doesn't necessarily have to be him putting them in the basket, but as long as someone is. So, you know, I th- I think uh, we had a good weekend all in all for the Big East. We touched on um, some highs and some lows, most notably Cincinnati and USF. But, you know, Seton Hall had a great showing. Louisville had a great showing. Syracuse and Connecticut are who we thought they were. Thank you, Dennis Green. And, uh... Who's your player of the weekend, Chaz? My player of the weekend has to be Mr. Kyle Kirk, guard oh, yeah. for the Louisville Cardinal. This guy played all 40 minutes for Rick Pitino. He filled in because they're really depleted at the guard position. And little little tidbit, this guy is a former walk-on. Um and and, and he looks like if if you wouldn't if, if you wouldn't know know any better, He'd seem like he was one of the top recruits uh, that Rick Pitino's ever brought in. But in this game, he played really well, 17 points, 7-11, 7 for 11 from the field. Really active, played good defense on Norad and, and some of the other guys, and played great in the second half, what, what the Cardinal really needed to pull away from. It was a really tough environment. If, if you watch any of this game, the Bulldogs fans and that that arena was was you know it was a hostile environment, and I was really impressed with Kyle Kirk this weekend, Scott. Yeah, they got a win against a real quality opponent, and that's why he gets Player of the Weekend. Now, who's your who's your bum of the weekend, Scott? My bum of the weekend, and I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here. Tear it is Tear it. If you were watching the St. John's game against Texas A&M, you noticed exactly what I did, and it was this woman or child just shrieking at every free throw that the, that the Johnnies had in the second half. And it, was, it wasn't a scream. It wasn't a yell. It was, like, literally blood-curdling, like, screaming, shrieking. It was unsettling to hear this woman or child or whoever it was. Uh, and... To be honest, I, I saw the Johnnies really get affected by it. They really struggled the last eight free throws. I think they only made one or two of them. And it was just, it was so irritating that this game could have been determined because this fan in the, in the audience was shrieking. And I it really bothered me, and, and that person should have been kicked out of the garden. Um, yeah, I, I'm. Sounds miserable. I'm fired up, baby. I hope it doesn't affect your holiday. Uh, I, mean, I don't think you can. It's Monday right now. I hope you put this behind you. You've got 72 hours. <laughs> uh, it's it's beginning to get put behind, but still, it's still pretty hot uh, at the surface for me. It was very frustrating for me to watch. I got you. Well, uh, talking of uh, another lady. That what I would put one of the best of the weekend is the ESPN three anchor halftime host and anchor is Cassidy Hubberth. This this girl is a darling. Um, just does a great job with the ESPN three halftime show. I mean that's that's it's a tough job and she does a really good job and and 
for all these games we're going to be watching on ESPN3, which are going to be a ton, I'm looking forward to, to watching Cassie Hubbard uh, hold it down in the studio. Yeah, we're going to see a lot of her uh, from, the, from the rest of the year. For sure, man. Um, we got a great slate of games tonight on uh, Monday, the 21st of November. Um, we got Northwestern State at Cincinnati. That screams a loss from the Bearcats, doesn't it? Uh, they're not going to lose two in a row. I hope not. That would be real brutal. That would be real brutal. The anti-gains, he won't let it happen. And then we got uh, Missouri at Notre Dame. Missouri's ranked 25th right now. Uh, they're a pretty good team, but we got Abramitis coming back. And yep, Timmy A. Missouri has struggled against Biggs this year, so look for uh, Mr. Timmy A to have a nice game. Uh, that game's on ESPN2 at 7.30. And then we got Georgetown at Kansas, who's ranked midnight. number 11 at midnight on ESPN2. Yeah, and Kansas looked. They lost to Kentucky last week in the Garden, but they looked tough. They 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 played hard, and Tyshawn Taylor and Thomas Robinson are their leaders this year, and it's going to be interesting to see Jason Clark and Hollis Thompson uh, square up with these guys. Uh, Georgetown isn't from what I remember. They they don't play in in these premier. Uh, out of conference tournaments, so it's good to see them testing themselves early, and especially going to get these these freshmen um, some good experience. Yeah, uh, and Thomas Robinson is from DC too, so it'll be a little bit oh, of a yes. chip on his shoulder playing against uh, the hometown Hoyas. So that'll be an interesting thing to watch. Now, Scott, I want to look at your weekend of betting and. Did not fare so well. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you were under 500 this weekend. Yeah, it was two and three. Uh, I won the Louisville against Butler game and the Marquette Ole Miss game, but really took a beating early on Friday, dropping Winthrop against Marquette and Villanova against Delaware. And then on Saturday, USF just broke my heart. Oh, man. Breaking Scotty's heart. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so that was the weekend. You were 2-3. and three. Um, I see that as a trend, not an aberration, <laughs> as we've been speaking. What do we got for tonight? It looks like Notre Dame's getting four against Missouri, and Georgetown, Kansas, that line is either at five or six. What do we got there, Scott? Yeah, I'm going to take Notre Dame uh, getting four points in Missouri. I think uh, Tim Armitis right. is going to come back in a big way. I like Eric Adkins, fully healthy. And uh, the rest of those guys to surprise Missouri. And Missouri hasn't really played anyone. So I like yeah. Notre Dame Notre, getting the points. Notre Dame hasn't either. So uh, it'll be a good test for both teams. Exactly. Exactly. So that wraps it up for the uh, Monday, November 21st edition of the Six Overtimes podcast. As always, uh, thank you from myself and from Chaz Wagner for listening. Uh, you can find us at sixovertimes.us and on iTunes. Uh, email us at sixovertimes at gmail.com if you agree or totally disagree with what we're talking about. And uh, we'll read it on, lot on the air and We'll get some answers out to you. Uh, also, tweet us at 6overtimes. Thanks a lot. Peace. See ya.